On this episode, we're chatting with Ben Donovan, the founder of Brand Builder University. And this was fun, Chris, because we love these. We love people who work with people, give out a lot of good content, uh, you know, help people build their businesses. Um, and he has he has a great story. You know, he's been a seller for a long time. You know, he talked about some of his early mistakes and how he transitioned towards trying to really build a brand. And then how now he's still running his businesses, but at the same time, uh, helping coach others through the process. So it was a really fun conversation. Yeah, I enjoy talking to other sellers and just learning their path and learning what they're doing and learning their strategies. We talked about all kinds of things, listings, PPC, how to rank, all kinds of stuff. So definitely, uh, definitely enjoyable conversation. Oh, very enjoyable. And like you said, it's just great to get information and tactics and tips from different people that are doing different things. You know, he, we talked a lot about different marketplaces. He was, you know, he's from the UK and, you know, where should a UK seller start? Should they start in the US or the UK? Or we, we went through a lot of different things. So it's good to get his perspective on this. Let's jump into our conversation with Ben. What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 201 of Two Amazon Sellers in a Microphone, brought to you by Solozo. And today is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, these are always our favorite conversations, conversations where we can go anywhere. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the Brand Builder Blueprint. Uh, and we're, to do that, we got the founder of Brand Builder University, Ben Donovan, joining us. What's up, Ben? How are you? Hey, good. Thanks. Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to uh, excited to dive into it. Well, we're we're excited too. Um, where where are you located? Uh, I'm in the UK in uh, a city in the north called Manchester. You've probably heard of the football team or soccer oh, yeah. team, probably as you call it. But <laughs> definitely heard of Manchester. Uh, awesome, man. Well, hey, what time is it there? It's a little afternoon, late afternoon, uh, probably. Yeah, four, four p.m. Yeah, coffee o'clock. Uh, not, yeah. not too bad. Not too bad. Well, man, thanks for joining us. We we're going to have so much fun uh, just running through all kinds of topics here. Um, yeah. But before we do, before we jump into that, for people that don't know you, I mean, you've got a lot of content out there. You've got a lot of training and courses and everything. And we'd love to uh, just get a little background on you, how you got into this space, what made you decide to start yeah. Brand Builder University. You you can yeah, yeah. Take, take as much time as you want. Well, let's hear a little bit of Jewish. background on you. Yeah, how long we got? Jeez. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I've done like the classic entrepreneurial stuff, like had businesses uh, since I was at school selling, you know, yo-yos and sweets and all that kind of classic, boring entrepreneurial kind of story. Um, but then I, I went into real estate when I came out of school, uh, when I was 18, started to make a bit of a career out of that. Uh, kind of realized that I wasn't super passionate about just making money. I wanted to try and do something that was a bit more meaningful. I started doing uh, youth work. Uh, I was uh, doing some youth work for a church when I was like early 20s. And that kind of was fun, you know, took me around the world. I spent a couple of years in Australia doing that, um, then came back and, you know, did a few bits. And that was all, uh, you know, great. It was a very altruistic, I suppose, uh, endeavor, but it wasn't really making me much money. I had kids coming along, you know, and so that all kind of converged onto the point where I realized I didn't want to be working 60, 70, 80 hours a week for, uh, you know, just a paycheck. I didn't want to trade my time for money, classic sort of um, scenario, but uh, I was looking for an opportunity to start something myself. So I, I tried a bunch of things, 
um, you know, that were businesses uh, disguised really as jobs um, that were just still stuff where I was trading time for money. I was doing sort of a lot of service based stuff. And then um, I, I kind of I'm six foot seven. Uh, you wouldn't see that from me sitting down. But um, so yeah, obviously pretty tall. And I could never find clothes that really would fit me back then, especially back then. It's better these days, but back then there wasn't much around. And so I thought I had this idea where I'm going to start selling like T-shirts for tall guys. But this was 2015. Uh, I kind of started down this road and I just had no idea about uh, business, about uh, product, about marketing or anything like that. So it was uh, it was a, a learning journey, but the product wasn't great. The branding wasn't great. I couldn't really, you know, I didn't really sell that many of them um, because I didn't know how to do marketing. Uh, but the good thing about it was I tried to learn how to do that. And that led me to YouTube, of course, which led me to um, learning about Amazon FBA. You know, I thought only Amazon sold on Amazon and it's just books. <laughs> Uh, like a lot of people think, uh, still think, I think. And um, but then I, I saw the opportunity of uh, selling on Amazon. Uh, 2017, I think I made my first sale on Amazon. For the next couple of years, very much went down the route. Um, I probably took the wrong course, which we probably won't go into, um, and, uh, and started selling random products on Amazon that had the right uh, Jungle Scout metrics, you know, and, uh, and that kind of thing. And so which was good. Like we got up to around uh, probably uh, three to 400K in revenue uh, after the sort of the couple of the years there, um, but was just finding margin compression and wasn't really building anything long term. And then started to sort of follow some more people that were talking a lot more around building a brand, building a business that was an asset, how to grow your team, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, just gone on that learning journey, really. And uh, then in the last couple of years really just got a lot more passionate about building brands so uh, we, we started like uh, a course for uk sellers uh 2019 late 2019 i think it was early 2020 um and so that was designed because there was a lot of american content which you know you guys are amazing i love you um but there are some nuances to selling as a UK citizen also on the uk marketplace that i felt maybe weren't covered and so i set up that but then, yeah, it's just kind of evolved a bit into more of uh, uh, me kind of, you know, documenting the journey with the content, but then also, um, you know, really sharing the more detailed side of that in, in the training we do for Brand Build University. Yeah, so I um, feel like I've probably rambled on there a bit, but uh, that's kind wow. of the backstory. It's great. And that's something that uh, we really love about the space. I mean, other people before you provided content that helped you navigate your Ooh. journey yeah. uh, and you combine that with mistakes and successes that you've made and now you're doing the same thing for others i mean it's yeah. a really unique space uh where you can be a competitor sort of uh mm. but also offering resources and help to others you yeah. don't you don't see that in a lot of businesses and we love that about sort of this this space because mm. there's billions of products mm. <laughs> so there yeah. is a, and you can't sell all of them. So the you know, offering resources that help are, are amazing. I love it. So go back. Uh, we'll go back because there's a lot to unpack in your story. Um, I think it's it's pretty common. Chris and I started a, a, just a little bit before you uh, following a very similar model. You know, we tried everything, retail arbitrage and no way and flipping stuff on eBay and all the different yeah. things you're doing to like little side hustle incomes, uh, you know, and then it was more common back then to just throw products at it. You know, you're yeah. looking, you're doing your research and throwing it. And uh, I did the exact same thing. And it, 
and it ended up being something that I had to pivot from because it's you know you you don't really create a brand that well mm-hmm. on that. Um, at, at what point, what year sort of did you transition? Did, what did you do with those those old products? Did you just like did you stop selling them and focus more on a on new brand now, or are they still going? Um, yeah, stopped. It's a bit of an interesting one because I, I said to my business partner the other day, I kind of wish I'd carried on with it because um, I, I probably could have sold it to an aggregator last year who, uh, when they weren't really caring about brands and you know uh, assets, they just wanted uh, Amazon products, you know. Which is, mm-hmm. uh, but that's you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, so we had basically tr- tested, similar to you know what you're saying there, tested a whole bunch of different random products, and uh, we'd seen some stick and some not because that's the nature of you know doing random products that are a bit unrelated it's the hit rate is generally a bit lower and so uh, we were left with uh, mainly selling some toys that had some good traction and so i had had this uh, not epiphany but sort of probably 20 uh, around 2019 going into 2020 that i really wanted to you know focus on on building uh, you know an asset a brand that could be something really significant and so these uh, it was like in the kind of the stem learning kind of um, you know niche uh, that that i'd seen a, a traction with some of our toys we had some that weren't really related to that and some that were but you know just the way i saw society going you know elon musk is going to keep building his rockets uh you know coding is going to keep being such a massive part of society all of these things where i just felt like man stem you know science technology engineering and maths is such a huge industry that i feel like if we could build a brand that is uh you know related to that in the toys or educational learning toy space um i just feel like there's some real good future value on that and so um we basically we had a few similar toys that we looked at and thought well you know, I launched these maybe a couple of years ago. They were 4.5 star rated products, you know, good products. Um, but how can we make them better? And basically took similar products and iterated on them and launched them under this new brand. So thinking back, it was probably uh, maybe not the wisest short term decision because, you know, I left behind some cash flow there, some mature listings. But, you know, part of me didn't want to compete with ourselves, you know, on those products. Like I say, I've since thought maybe I should have done, you know, just to get the, you know, the exit on that a, a while ago. But um, it's funny because the reason we were talking about this the other day is we're just doing some um, keyword research for a new product launch we're about to do. And my business partner, who does all of our research and listings and copywriting and stuff, she sent me like a screenshot of one of the terms. And it was like our old brand, like two years later, still got search volume on Amazon. I was like, dang it. That was probably a mistake. But um <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it was like that was that was uh, you know uh, the kind of the transition there, and we uh, launched under sort of like completely new, really completely fresh. I kind of wanted to challenge myself as well, document the journey for our community, what it was like to sort of start from scratch. I kind of relished the idea of doing not doing everything right because we'll still make mistakes, but you know getting the foundations set a lot better um, than trying to um, you know navigate that existing stuff. So um, so yeah. When you started, did you start selling in UK marketplaces or did you come to North America? What marketplace did you start in? Yeah, I started in the in the UK. Yeah. Um, and probably in hindsight, like I, I would have gone to the US first, but my, uh, you know, initial limited understanding was, well, I'm in the UK, so I sell in the UK. I didn't realize just how easy it is to sell in the US. And now I say to most of the guys that come through um, BBU now, if they're in the UK, uh, definitely look at the US as a priority because, um, you know, the, the obvious the volume there. 
And I don't know what you have to what somebody has to do to get set up in the U.S. So if somebody's in the U.K. and they want to sell in the U.S., what what do they have to do to do that? I I, I, I have no idea. Uh, just open an Amazon account. Um, it's it's really simple. It's once you've got the entity, the legal entity set up. And I always say to UK, with the setup in the UK, because that is generally for people the most uh, tax and cost efficient. Um, and then it is yeah a case of setting up uh, an account in the US. And then you know uh, it depends. Amazon are always sort of changing the goalposts, but occasionally you're going to have to fill in some sort of uh, tax declarations, and um, you know. But it's just a few forms, really. That's it's pretty simple. It seems easier than the reverse. Oh, uh, I was going to say, <laughs> really, if they made it it, it's trickier yeah. for U.S. sellers to expand internationally. Uh, I mean, we don't have VAT taxes. We don't mm, have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it seems like it's a little bit more regulated uh, in mm. other marketplaces than it is in the U.S. Did you, the entity that you set up, was it a U.S. business entity or a U.K. entity? Yeah, U.K. Yep, U.K. Yeah, see, I mean, it seems, <laughs> it seems so much easier uh, to go that way. Um, so interesting, yeah. yeah. Well, let's... There are uh, benefits to the U.S. Sorry, Will. No, no, you're, there are benefits in the U.S. that we said? Uh, yeah, like we've just had to um, get US-based insurance because there aren't any UK insurers that will insure anymore due to COVID or some rubbish they told me um, that they won't insure people selling toys into the US from the UK. So we have to now get insurance in the US. And so we had to get um, set up with the IRS and all this kind of stuff as a UK company, which it would have been easier if we were a US company, uh, but at the same time, there's swings and roundabouts to everything and compliance and, and tax and all that kind of stuff from, from what I understand, you know, it's a lot more efficient if you're in the UK to be set up in the UK. What's your, uh, like, what's the spread of your revenue um, um, around the marketplaces? Like what percentage is the U S compared to the UK and are you selling any, any others? Yeah. So the, um, the bigger brand that I manage, we can talk about that separately because that's a, a bigger sort of maybe case study. The um, This toy brand, we, we only started, we actually got our first sale uh, just around a year ago. So it's quite new. And so again, we uh, actually started that in the UK. Um, because like I said, my philosophy on the UK US sort of situation definitely has evolved over the last uh, year because of, you know, the stats that have come out and the studies that there was a, I think Marketplace posted a study showing that actually the US is the least competitive when you look at it from a volume of, I forget the exact metric they used, but I think it was sellers to buyers uh, was the, mm. the metric. Um, and actually the US, because of the volume of buyers, is actually uh, less competitive. So, um, but yeah, initially we did just set up in the, in the UK and then now are expanding into the US. So, um, but I expect within the next 12 to 18 months that the US will overtake um, quite a long way the, the UK because of the products we have and, and the ones we're launching, they are, uh, the demand is sort of 10x what it is the UK. So when you do um, product research, are you looking in both marketplaces uk and us or do you decide yeah. what marketplace you want to go in first and go from there like what what's your product research method look like uh, i think it's a bit of both uh, again owing to that sort of um updated uh, sort of uh, philosophy i suppose i definitely will now always start in the us um you know for us as a as a brand you know the us is going to become more and more the, the key marketplace for us and so uh you know i'm always now starting there 
I think in, in the past, I definitely would have started in the UK. Um, I, I think there is something to that. Like obviously, I understand the marketplace. I understand the people, understand the culture, the language. It's obviously the same language, but, you know, there's like these nuances that um, that maybe other people coming in don't quite as much. So um, so I think there are some benefits to that. But, yeah, definitely now, like US is the first one I'm looking at. When you're looking for a product, everybody's got their own criteria and everybody uses tools mm. and whatnot. They're doing you know, how many reviews and price point. What are some of your criteria points you look at, especially when looking for a new product? What are some things that are like your that they have to have this before we we, we go forward with it? Uh, they have to have good search volume for specific terms that relate to the product, not generic broad uh, terms, but that clearly describe the product. And then I just need to be able to do better a better job at solving the customer's uh, pain point than the than the competition. Um, for me, that's that's what it comes down to. I mean, inside um, you know, Brandbo University, we we I teach this thing what I call it the product potency formula. It's like a fancy name for trying to sort of explain a bit of a, a system. But of course, there is demand and competition in that as the first couple of steps. And I teach that to all new sellers because when you're new to the you know e-commerce and selling online, you uh, don't understand marketing as well and product positioning and th those are metrics that help you uh, get into areas that are going to enable you to compete but um, for me the biggest area is, is differentiation which is like the third step of what we teach is their ability to differentiate and I think that in especially in the in 2022 and beyond the opportunity is not how do I find something that's selling a, a, a buttload of product but also has no reviews like that's you know, Amazon is a more mature marketplace, as you guys know, now than it was even three, four years ago. So those opportunities really are few and far between, which obviously will put some people off and that's fine. Um, but if you are serious about building a real business, the opportunity to create a good product that differentiates from the competition and stands out, um, there's still just as much opportunity as ever. So yeah, for me, those two things for our own brand is, is uh, you know, clear search demand and then are there clear opportunities for me to do something that stands out like if everyone's already done all of the differentiation that you could do i'd probably give that a miss but if there are opportunities to um really not only differentiate but be able to communicate that differentiation clearly to win the click in search results to get the conversion then uh, yeah that's a big key for me so does does the competitiveness of the market bother you if you feel like you can differentiate or do you see that as an advantage I mean, would you stay away from something because it's super competitive, and, but you feel like you have an opportunity to do something different? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think my personal belief is it depends on the stage of the journey you're at. Like I have confidence now in my ability to uh, rank products on Amazon, to be able to, um, you know, differentiate, source well, all of those kind of things. Where the more you learn, I think the the, the process of the business, you know, selections, uh, you know, sourcing, and then, you know, launching products. For me, I, I look at, you know, uh, we're launching a product in the next uh, couple of weeks once I get it through. US Customs, which has been stuck in for a month, <clears throat> and uh, I just been today charged $300 for the uh, privilege of them inspecting my product for me. So thanks, US Customs, for that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> not well, our fault. Yeah. Do it. Don't rubbish. Right. <laughs> I, I just thought it's funny. Like it's like you guys wanted to inspect my products, and you're charging me for your. I uh, just yeah. I, I mean, I should have. That's just normal. It's normal, I know, but it's never going to get any easier. But. Um, but yeah, so um, I forgot my my rage kind of clouded what I was talking about. There. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny that you bring that up because, um, you know, I, it seems like you had a, a similar journey. But I mean, my, my first product was resistance fans way back in the day. 
uh, workout resistance bands. And it's like, you would never probably go into that right now. And all the same things you touched on margins got squeezed. I mean, and then everybody differentiated. I mean, everyone there was like cloth resistance bands, resistance bands that don't stick huge packs for cheaper. I mean, it became impossible. I had to, you know, back out of that entirely. And that might be something you're talking about. Like, okay, everybody's already done all the differentiators in that. Mm. That, That might be come off your criteria. Uh, But that's, that's what you're looking for is you're looking, you know, you're looking for something that's got demand, got, but you have this ability to create this new uh, thing. That's an improvement. And yeah. there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, you mentioned like you, you're not afraid to go into a saturated market now because say, you yeah. know, you know, you have a marketing background, you know, how to rank products, you know, the listing optimization, but all those things that you know, now you had to learn at some point. Yeah. And, and you had to get those dialed in first before mm-hmm. you would go into a seriously saturated uh, saturated niche for sure yeah and um and so that's why any, yeah, anyone's starting out like uh, i'm doing some one-on-one work with some few people at the moment and we we, lo- we are looking for stuff that does have lower competition I'm, I'm not saying you should completely disregard it um you know you certainly can't look for stuff that's doing ten thousand a month in revenue and under 50 reviews anymore like that's the reviews are easier to get now and then the thresholds have got to be higher and you have to look beyond just those simple metrics but i think you should still take them into account for sure um but yeah like i'm you know by far and away still got a lot a lot to learn and i'm not the perfect you know the best seller out there but i think just a little bit of self-confidence in um you know in the product but also i think just in the long-term nature of what you're trying to build i think when i started out i was so short-term in my mindset and that was you know a real hindrance to me but now i think that um you know i'm willing to go 6 12 18 months without taking money out of a product uh, in order to get it launched established on amazon because i know the long term rewards are there so um i think that's a benefit as well but i i think when you're looking at stuff that's really um often if it's really competitive then often there's a lot of demand for it as well and so this is why it comes back to search terms and understanding the search term uh, kind of uh, outlook because there, if there are thousands of different search terms and there are high volume search terms that have got low competition, then you can make sales on those. You don't even have to worry about those head keywords that are highly, highly competitive that are maybe searched 50 to 100,000 times a month. You can find 10 to 20, two to 3,000 search volume search uh, search terms uh, that you can target that are much easier to make sales on and you can slowly build up momentum that way. Um, and so, yeah, like we, we've launched products in competitive uh, markets already with this brand and seen sales pick up pretty quickly because of the differentiation and because, um, you know, that just understanding of what the customer is looking for. You mentioned search volume there on some keywords. What what is your parameters? You know, it, do you have to have you know ten to fifteen search terms have at least five thousand searches a month before you go into a product, or there needs to be more than just a few search terms for one product? Like, what are when you're looking at search terms? Yeah, what is the sweet spot there? Um, I don't have any uh, set metrics. I think uh, I would definitely look at it like on a case by case basis personally. Um, but I do think that the, the biggest thing rather than for me personally, the, the a number of them, it, it would be that there would be a range. And when I say range, you know, for me, 20 or 30 more than 
500 searches a month, I would say something in that region. Of course, it depends on your budget, right? Because uh, if you've only got uh, two or $3,000 to invest in inventory, you don't want to go for something with crazy high search volume because that is going to, you know, you're going to struggle to keep that in stock. But if you've got a bit more budget, then yeah, uh, if, if you can find 20 to 30 keywords that do specifically describe your product. And for me, that is the important thing because I have struggled long and hard with BBC and trying to rank on, you know, gift keywords or, uh, you know, obviously we're in toys. They're just like toys for boys, toys for girls. Those, those kind of generic keywords, fitness products for men, um, you know, gifts for dad, all that kind of stuff is is super hard to to rank profitably because of the generic nature of the term. So, you know, you need to, because we, we've got some toys that are like construction toys, building toys, that kind of thing, but there's not really any other specific uh, terms that could be used to describe them. And because of that, they don't get anywhere near as uh, much sales as the, the products that do have, you know, recognized describing names that aren't maybe like a brand name. What about product price? I know like back in the day they said, you know, keep it 25 and under, fits in a shoebox, less than a pound, all that kind of good stuff. You know, I, I probably wouldn't do that now. But uh, what, where, are you, where are you looking at product price? Um, I'm, I'm very flexible. You know, we uh, just soon launching a product that will be around $12, $13, but we're sourcing it for a dollar. And it's like an accessory add-on and it's pretty small and light to ship. So I'm happy to do that. You know, we'll, we'll also, we've also got in production one that will sell for uh, sort of 60 to 80, depending on how hard we can get it. Um, so I think there's, there's benefit at both ends of the spectrum, the higher end, as everyone, you know, probably already knows, there's uh, less competition because, you know, hope, usually there's less competition because less people can afford the unit cost to get going. Um, and there's more uh, budget to play with with stuff like PPC. So it should generally be more profitable. But I think people um, underestimate the the lower end. I think everyone has heard, oh, you know, it's got to be at least $15, $20 so that you can make money on it. But you can make money on low price products as long as you understand the the metrics as long as you understand the you know the unit economics i think they're some of the best products because the return on investment you can get for a new seller uh, if you want to scale quickly you, they definitely should be looking in the lower price range you know source at one to two dollars sell for 12 to 15 dollars you can get 200 plus percent roi on that and uh, you know you can you may not be making much profit dollar wise, but you'll be making good ROI that you can then uh, quickly turn that cash around and, and, and grow the sales and invest in, you know, higher price products. So uh, I think I, I like both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, it's probably good for a new seller to do a lower mm. end and, and get in yeah. there. Somebody, yeah. somebody that doesn't really know what they're doing yet. They kind of want to learn the process, get in mm. there and just at least figure out how to create a shipment. Right. Yeah. Unless the product is sure. yeah. that, that those are two things that are going to be completely different anyway. For sure. It's so so interesting. Well, let's get, I want to go back again to focusing on, because you made a transition to just to make, just deciding, okay, I want to build a brand. I want to have a brand asset. Mm. Uh, And that's a different mindset. That's different. You're shifting. I mean, immediately your product research gets shrunk into a Mm. niche. Um, And now you're, trying to sort of figure out your customer avatar. How do you mm-hmm. speak to them? It becomes it becomes much more of a marketing angle uh, where the product research and all that stuff almost follows that flow. Um, so when you made that decision, what were, some, what were the first things that you'd have to, if you're deciding, okay, right now I'm going for a brand. How do you start? What, what's the first part? And then we can sort of kind of walk through that. 
for sure. I think the biggest uh, thing of all of it is understanding your customer. And that, that sounds a bit twee and oh, that's nice, but you know, truly understanding their pain points and how your products can solve those pain points is the single biggest issue because that uh, defines how you're going to communicate about your products, it defines how you're going to, uh, you know, which products, of course, you're going to launch. Uh, it, it determines your your wider branding beyond Amazon. It, it defines so much of what you do. So I think, you know, for us, understanding who the, the specific person was, and that's obviously the, the specific person that's buying your products as well as using, which is going to be the same person for a lot of people. For us, it wasn't, you know, with toys. It's not the kid that we're marketing to. It's, it's the parent. And specifically, we discovered really it's, you know, 90% of the people that buy our products are the mums of the kids. And so we then um, had to really understand that and we're in a, a fortunate position that my business partner is a mum herself i am married to you know a, a woman who is a mum and so they are that that is the the kind of the the frontage of our branding is like this brand was founded you know by a mum partnership like obviously i'm involved and in the background but we don't sort of talk about that loads because it's like well these uh, these mums uh were obviously part of the journey but they had a passion to launch this business and and really trying to then communicate to that uh, that target market. So you so you figured this out. That's the market you're going to. And then what about even something as simple as coming up with a brand name? Mm. You know how how important do you feel like that name is? Um, you know, and all the things you have to go through. Obviously, trademarking them and yeah. making sure no one else has them and making sure you don't do what I did and use a brand name that you end up getting sued for later mm. on. <laughs> uh, as yeah. you try to, as you try to do all the things right, you've got jumped through that, but mm. what, what's that process look like? Just brainstorming a brand name and then mm. coming up with the, the look of the logo and mm. the color scheme. I mean, there's mm. a lot that goes into it cause it's gotta be consistent. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And like, I think that's something we're still trying to work on, on improving. Um, like the consistency and the brand image, et cetera, et cetera. I think uh, brand name is both uh, important and not, and that obviously sounds like a contradiction, but um, I'm a perfectionist by nature, so I, which is definitely a, a strength in business, but a massive weakness at times. And so, you know, I we kind of ached over how do we uh, brand it, how do we name it, that kind of thing. But I think one of the biggest things uh, Amazon sellers, uh, you know, need to be aware of is that, you know, it needs, I think, brand names on Amazon. You really need to work hard to make them short just because Amazon are enforcing like the brand name at the front of the title even more. And I think that that's going to take up characters and people can come up with this like three or four word long brand name. And then if Amazon forces you to put that at the front of your title, you you're screwed you know so um we wanted like it's got the brand name has got stem in the actual brand name because we wanted it to be you know really clear what this was about and so um for us like brand name was important but at the same time i think that a new seller should focus on taking action and taking steps forward than agonizing over the perfect brand name um you know your your first brand name your first product it might not be the last you might change it in the future you might update it but um yeah i think taking action and as you said one of the biggest things is just the ability to trademark it which naturally is getting harder and harder because of all of the people starting businesses but um mm -hmm. i think that's where you just gotta get a bit creative and 
misspell a word or something, you know. It's harder too when if you're trying to go short. There's less. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and that's why obviously you see a bunch of uh, Chinese brands that are just like they've mashed the keyboard with their fingers, um, <laughs> and somehow they sell a ton, right? Like, yeah. no, yeah. <laughs> it's like random yeah. letters. It's it makes no yeah. sense. Uh, yeah. but the, I think there's something going on behind the curtain there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's something to that though. It does kind. I mean, there is brands are super important. Uh, obviously for retention and for you know yeah. the ability to go outside of the amazon channel but to some degree shoppers are not super brand centric on yeah amazon. yeah and that's a big argument right in the amazon community is so one person will say brand is really important like i'm uh, good friends with a guy called Ben Leonard. He founded this company called Beast Gear. Um, yeah. You guys, yeah, you know him. Yeah, he's been on his show a couple times. Oh, yeah, nice, he's nice. Yeah, he's a legend, and he is like the biggest advocate for brand. And I'm just like, yes, come on, this is good. And then you'll talk to someone like Kevin King, like uh, Amazon FBA, Mr. Amazon FBA himself, and like he's starting to say is is more now, but that's probably a bad example. But the, uh, like you'll talk to another Amazon seller, um, you know, and they'll just say search terms on Amazon, meeting that demand with products. Don't even worry about a website. Don't worry about social media. Don't waste your time building brand. And, you know, I respect both of the people that are saying that. I just tend to fall in the camp of, you know, uh, I think for me, the bigger opportunity is building an asset that's beyond just the cash flow on Amazon. And yes, there are aggregators right now that love the idea of just Amazon-centric sales. I think you open up for more potential value and more potential um, buyers of your business in the future if you do have a cohesive brand. Um, and I just I like the idea of just doing something that's a bit more impactful than just selling products on Amazon, right? Yeah, I, I just want to touch on one thing before you jump in, Chris, because there's I that's what's changed the most since you know we started a, a while ago. But what's changed most is the awareness that your biggest revenue day is going to be the day you exit. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that is a way bigger than all of your cash flow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so thinking long term, thinking about what the end game looks like, that's where yeah. the brand sent. I mean, if you're if you love this and you want to be in it day to day for the rest of your life, throw products out there. Yeah. Uh, but if you're looking to exit at some point. Mm. that's going to be the game that's the game changer i think so yeah, yeah. you know yeah Go for i was it. just gonna say on the, on the versus brand no brand i mean looking back i started when i started selling i came up with the brand name first and then started selling products within that niche but if i if i had to do it again <clears throat> there's been a method out there we had somebody on the show talking about the three by two where they just pick three products throw them up on amazon source three products low quantity order that you get see what sticks, see what sells well, and then just rinse and repeat. And then at some point when you get 10 products, figure out what niche you want to be in and then that create a brand within that niche. And you've already mm. got, you know, a small handful of products that you're already selling and you can liquidate the other ones if they're not doing really well and, mm. and go all in, in that particular, particular niche. So if I, if, and you, Ben, you correct me, I'm wrong. I know there's different opinions here, but I would just start selling something and, yeah. and get them in there yeah. and get something going, get something moving, learn the process, and yep. then, you know, make up a name just to, so you can have a listing created. And, yep. and then from there, uh, find out what you're passionate about selling and mm. then go all in with, with, you know, trademarking it, mm -hmm. get the URL, get a mm -hmm. logo, colors, all that good stuff. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's kind of what I did, right? You know, I tested a lot of different niches and products and just threw a load of stuff up there. And then I was like, hey, actually, I love the impact we can make with these toys. And I think we could create a great brand out of it and then double down on that. And so that's the exact path I took. Um, I think there are some unique challenges if someone's to take that route today because it is different now with obviously uh, Amazon are pretty hot on when you create new listings without brand registry, there are some challenges that come with that. They're not insurmountable, but, um, and the protection that brand registry gives you with the trademark and, you know, all of those kind of things is is something to consider. But I think, uh, yeah, most people when starting out there, um, you definitely don't need to go out there and build a huge following on social media and build the most amazing website. And, and you can learn that stuff as you go for sure. Yeah. Something I love talking about here is ranking and like ranking a product because it's a, mm. it's a science, right? Like if you gotta, you gotta have a ranking strategy. Uh, mm. You gotta figure out how you're gonna launch a product. You know, it, it's getting a little bit harder now. Um, there's still some things you can still do, but you know, a yeah. lot of things have changed. When you launch, you're getting ready to launch a product. What's the strategy? What's the process? You don't have to give me a whole thing, but like, what are some things you got lined up ahead of time so that when that product goes live, you can hit the gas and start running. Yeah. So a few things like, obviously we want to make the most of like the honeymoon period as this, uh, you know, as it's called. Uh, so we've kind of put out or like our launch dates, release dates of the, the new products back to, uh, to now rather than when we created the listing. So, uh, you, you know, there's, there's talk of that in the Amazon community being like, uh, an impacting factor. I don't know yet. This is the first time I've, I've done that. Um, so we, you know, we'll see, and there's obviously no real way to split test that. So you, you don't really know, but there's the, that that is um definitely worth doing so we've done that we um we used to do rebates uh, until obviously that kind of got outlawed a few months ago and so i love that strategy because we would run many chat flows and it would build our list at the same time as launching the products and i just thought it was dream strategy um but obviously we uh, it's uh, i think there are still people doing it but i just don't have the guts to, to kind of carry on with that um so our strategy will just be super aggressive on pricing targeting um, keywords in our title that not many other uh, products have in their title so that we can rank quickly for those keywords and um, and then run in some Google ad traffic as well. Um, so uh, so yeah. Google ad, that's another one. Yeah, that, let's touch on that. That's mm. big. External traffic, all the brand referral uh, yeah. programs yeah. That, that are out there. Do you have uh, a any sort of technique or strategy with those Google ads? Like what kind of keywords you're targeting? Targeting Are they the same as yeah. your Amazon ones? Or are they different? Uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of times you'll hear people say like, you know, if it's resistance bands, resistance bands, Amazon, or resistance mm -hmm. bands, Amazon Prime. Because uh, weirdly, people start their Amazon search sometimes on Google. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, yeah. but uh, it's a lot of low hanging fruit there. What What kind of tactics are you using around Google ads? Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is theory. I don't want to claim like this is uh, this is amazing strategy that works because this is the first time we're deploying this particular strategy. Um, but yeah, so just the same terms as on Amazon. No uh, particular Google strategy with that. It's just about getting that traffic on to the listing for highly relevant, making sure obviously that they're highly relevant. So we are only doing exact match because um, from experience with Google ads in, um, you know, non-e-commerce stuff that they are, the broad match is very broad. And so um, we want to make sure we're targeted. So exact match, uh, playing up the Amazon 
uh, side of it because if you're running Google ads, um, you know, the, the link will appear as Amazon and people will think it's Amazon running that ad. And so playing that up with, you know, Prime and free shipping and, you know, having Amazon, um, you know, you've got your Amazon link there and, and that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, just really playing on that and making sure we're doing a promotion on it, uh, like 50% off or 80% off or whatever, uh, whatever I can stomach, you know, like I say, I, was chatting to Kevin King the other day on on my podcast, and he was saying, you know, if you're going to sell at thirty dollars, then you should sell it at three dollars in your launch. And I'm just like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, that's yeah. something he's doing. That he's launching products. And- I mean, he says he is, but I don't know how much. Like, um, how if that's uh, like how much he actually is discount. I don't know, but I, I think the theory obviously is you would have rebated that product anyway. So what's the difference between driving it that low? Which I get, it's funny, isn't it? It's just such a like psychological difference, but in essence, it's, it's the same. If anything, you're $3 better off, but. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. You so would. I, I'm going to, I'm going to try, you know, somewhat aggressive. Like part of me thinks, oh, I wonder if I could get away with, you know, just covering costs, you know, uh, maybe I could sell at $15 when our target price is 30 surely that would be attractive enough and you know obviously he's talking in the context of maybe going really um you know foot to the floor massive launch we've got a thousand units of this product and so i don't want to you know sell 500 in week one so mm-hmm. you know i might start at maybe 15 dollars and, and then grow up from there do you use anything inside uh seller central uh to help facilitate the launch uh, in terms of like coupons and stuff, yeah, stuff like all those other things. That, you know, they got the Vine. They got are, are any anything there you use? Yeah, so uh, I forget which which country calls it which coupons and vouchers. I think we in the UK call it vouchers. You call it coupons. Anyway, yeah, yeah we always do those because um, on search results, you, when you launch a product with no reviews, you're going to be at a disadvantage just because you've got no reviews you need to give the customer a reason to click on your listing and that coupon on the results page is uh, one reason it's not always the strongest obviously reviews can be more but uh, so yeah i will do like 15 percent and 10 percent uh, sorry 15 dollars say for instance price and then 10 percent uh, coupon on there um yeah uh, I'm, I'm thinking about i'm always nervous about vine like i've never uh, done the early reviewer program um but that's obviously not around anymore but i'm just nervous about vine because i just feel like they're if there's a box that's broken that's completely out of my control like we've created a great product but there are things that are outside of my control i just feel like if they tank it because of that one thing i talked to another it. seller and i was like yeah i just use vine to get reviews and he's like look they're conditioned to be super analytical about your product and like can mm. and and look at your product and if anything is wrong with it, like mm. you just said, like the box shows up damaged, ding, you get a one star yeah. review. He's like, yeah. so they're they're it's it's a dangerous game to play mm. because if something goes wrong, one like it can ruin the review and you, yeah. and they always stick at the top because they got the Vine reviewer thing. Mm. So I'm with you. I've heard both sides. Like, yeah, be cautious because their their mind is like conditioned to be the people in the vine program they, yeah. they got to be looking at yeah. your product and they're going to tear it apart they're mm-hmm. professional reviewers yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah I've, had, I've had good uh vine 
launches and bad ones. There's, it really pisses me off when I get a one star. I'm like, you got the product for free. Yeah. You didn't you didn't have to pay for it. Like when they mention yeah. the price, they're like, oh, the price is too expensive. I'm like, you didn't pay for it. <laughs> yeah, a Vine reviewer mentioned the price. That is yeah, right. I was like, what the hell? Report oh, abuse, man. report abuse, report yeah. abuse. <laughs> oh, it's so funny though, because it's like, if you've got a hundred reviews, a one star review doesn't bother you. But yeah. man, when it's the first one or the second, oh, killer, killer, like what? <laughs> it's yeah. so hard after that. Yeah. I feel yeah. like, it's and every easy. day that you don't get another one, it just oh. makes it you're you're just going down yeah. the ranking. It yeah. takes about ten five star reviews to get it above four stars it's again. Ridiculous. So it's, mm. Yeah. What about PPC for your launches? What are you doing there? So initially, the initial sort of two to three week period, just targeting highly relevant phrases, just to ensure that Amazon algorithm uh, understands the product, understands the keywords. I think for um, you know more common keywords and products, that's a little bit easier. If it's super niche and different, then I think that's even more important. But yeah, so two to three weeks, um, we will do like a, a targeted list of around ten phrases. Um, exact matched good sort of volume and then have individual campaigns for in each type like the title of the product we will have sort of three to four phrases that have got a very low um, title density or, or you know the low amount of other people that have got that particular phrase in their title and so each individual keyword will go in its own separate campaign just for the launch to really give it some um to power because the aim would be to uh, ensure we rank for those three or four keywords right off the bat um but then set up a more long-term structure after that um that's a little bit more automated which you guys would i'm sure be the the masters of <laughs> we can help anybody do that if they want it yeah 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 what what is your uh sort of structure in terms of like most recommended do you do you like search term isolation and that kind of stuff or well we you can we can do anything uh that's yeah. the nice part of of our structure is you can do anything but um a typical would be sort of a keyword harvesting funnel you know, yeah. whether you're going, you know, from an auto campaign to a, a broad to an exact, and we're mm -hmm. funneling those through to get you to yeah. those exact matches. You know, you can do all the things that you were talking about, you know, mm -hmm. launch campaigns uh, with, a, you know, a couple of your most relevant search terms. You can put a top of search multiplier on there, uh, an aggressive target A cost to make sure that you get that launch. Mm -hmm. uh, we can, we can automate any any structure that you're wanting to set up nice yeah i'm a, a little bit sort of controlling with it and i probably too much because i i struggle with the idea of using auto then broad then exact i do that's what i'm using at the moment but i just like i feel like it's not complete control over the keyword funnel you know mm, but yeah have you guys tested adding in a phrase step to that, that oh yeah you can, you can do whatever you want you can do whatever you want the yeah there's no preset structure that we're defining through our platform. you don't have to you we're not pausing your existing campaigns and making you start over right yeah. you can do you can, you can do and i it's more probably uh automated is probably not the right word like it's it, it's it's designed like you can design your own system you want and then automate those structures that you that you got set up yeah it's not it's not a here here's what we got and you have to use this yeah yeah and so there's there's a I lot like, you can do with it. 
I just wonder from like a theory standpoint, if like adding a phrase uh, sort of level into that system is a bit, because sometimes I've, I've thought maybe it's a bit over overkill, you know, but it's then it's like you have literal complete control because I can negative phrase in my broad and then I can negative exact in my phrase. And it's just like the OCD dream. But then I'm like, am I just stifling the algorithm a bit here? You know, <laughs> I don't and know. I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a, a lot of different opinions on yeah. all of that. <laughs> yeah, you're that's you dive into murky waters when you start talking about strategy. Yeah. I'm I'm a big believer that there's there's it, it's testing. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. you test it works or it doesn't work, yeah. and you pivot and you test and it works or it doesn't work. Um, you know, and Amazon's changing all the time. You know, their their relevancy. How you know that mm. that. The relevancy score they're giving your product on keywords is is mm. evolved. Um, you know, you see a lot more people launch campaigns and get like no impressions now mm. because Amazon's not going to show it. They don't think it's relevant, yeah. so they're not <laughs> showing it. They used to just take your money, uh, yeah. you know, and now they're not even showing it. Which you know, you have to go back and test. Maybe this, maybe my listing's not highlighting that it's relevant towards this keyword. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of playing around with it that I think is, is critical. But I think mm -hmm. to your point in terms of launch, you know, when you're launching your goal is, is not profitability. Yeah. It's or how, are you moving up? Are we mm -hmm. ranking, yeah, you know, sure. and, and there's so many variables in that, the comp competitiveness of it, you know, it's the, the, the difficult conversation that we have is when someone says, Oh, I just want a low ACOS. It's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <Don't> we all? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh well, your product's ten dollars, and the average bid is like two fifty. So I don't know if that's gonna really—I don't know how low you think you can get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like, what's your strategic goal? But yeah, I think there's a lot. There's a lot of testing involved. Um, ben, w this is a conversation we could we could do this for about four hours. I feel yeah, like, and, and yeah. not even scratch the surface. So. <laughs> Uh, you are not going to be the, uh, only Ben from the UK who's been on our podcast just once. We're going to do, we're going to have you multiple times, uh, for <laughs> sure. So we'll get you, we'll get you back on at some point in the future. And we'll just dive in to a little bit more on all these yeah, different yeah. topics. It's fun. But, uh, for anybody who's listening right now, uh, obviously you're very real. You're, you're putting out what you know, everything that worked everything that didn't work for you and that's an unbelievable resource for people that are i mean how nice is it to hear somebody else's mistake that's so much more valuable <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so much more valuable yeah. than oh well, someone just telling you you got to do this you yeah, know yeah. this is the panacea this is what's going to work uh you know it's, it's way better to hear like oh, this i screwed this up you know that's <laughs> nice people that want to follow your content maybe uh, work with you on, on training or consulting or anything that you offer, how can they reach out with, to you and contact you? Uh, yeah, thank you. That's very kind of you to say all those things. Uh, the best place is just the website, brandbuilderuni.com. Uh, there's links there too. We've got some free training. If you're just getting started, we've got uh, coaching, mentoring, and we've got a whole bunch of content. Um, we're working hard to try and create some, uh, you know, more like written content. We want to try and do a lot more of that, uh, which is seems to be uh, getting some good traction and people are liking that. And then uh, YouTube, all the links to everything else is, is from the website. So, um, yeah, definitely check it out. Excellent. Everyone go check them out right now, brandbuilderuni.com. Uh, and just 
taking all his content and contact him if you're if you wanted to look for more with with Ben. Ben, thanks so much, man. This has been awesome. We really, really appreciate it. And everybody who tuned in, thank you so much for listening to this. If you like content like this, if you want more, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. You can see all the live streams on Solozo's social media platforms. LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, they're all there. So go there and subscribe as well. Turn on notifications so you get notified when we go live. And if you want to take a deeper dive into all the things that we were talking about, we just skimmed over it, the how Solozo can help you automate whatever your strategy is. We'd love to show it to you. Go to solozo.com. You can book a demo. We'll talk about anything. We'll look, take a look at your listings. We'll take a look at everything with you uh, just to make sure it's going to be a right fit for you. Uh, we love having those conversations. So go to solozo.com and book a demo. We'll be talking to you really soon. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Ben, thanks for joining us. We'll see you all next